The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. All right. Well, if you happen to bring a Bible this morning, go ahead and open up to the book of 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians is our text. If you're new, we are in the fourth week of a series we've called You Ask For It. And uh, it's been a great series, exciting, challenging, as we've heard the questions that you're asking, and you've set the content for this series. And uh, I've got a lot today. We may not get through all of it. And uh, as I read the question, it's going to make some of you nervous and some of you excited. And I love that there's a little bit of tension in the question today. It's going to be really, really good. This is the fourth week. We'll end the series next week, and then we'll kick off the fall in two weeks. And uh, we're really, really excited about all that God wants to do this year. So without further ado, let's uh, put the question before you this morning that you have asked, that you have said, hey, I have a question about this. And here's today's question. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul references a lot of spiritual gifts, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, speaking in tongues. If you're Baptist today, you all right? Everybody good so far? (laughs) Interpreting tongues. Since he was writing after Jesus was resurrected, all of these gifts must still apply to us today, right? What do each of these mean? Also, how do we discern what each of the spiritual gifts are and how are each of the gifts used to benefit the body of Christ. Now, some of you guys just got really nervous when we read that question. And some of you guys got really excited because this is your angle. Everybody's got an angle, by the way. And so this morning, I'm really excited to dive into the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and explore this idea of spiritual gifts. By the way, I love the diversity in our church. I don't know if you've noticed it. I just don't mean ethnic and racial and demographic diversity, but we have lots of backgrounds in our church. We have people that come from church backgrounds. We have people that come from non-church backgrounds. We have people that come from Baptist backgrounds, Catholic, Presbyterian. Um, we, We have Pentecostals. We have Charismatics. We have Methodists. We have Reformed. We have non reform we have fundamental, we have liberal. I love that we have great diversity in our church. Now, some of you don't like that diversity. You want all of us to look the same, be the same, and think the same, and feel the same, but that's not the way the kingdom of God works, because diversity is a really good thing, and it can be a really helpful thing. It can be a healthy thing. It can be a challenging thing for us, because we can teach one another, at least those of us who are humble enough to receive. Now, I don't want to disappoint you this morning, okay? I believe expectations are everything. So I want to set some expectations for you this morning. And I want to tell you, I'm not going to address whether or not we should be speaking in tongues or whether we should be healing people today. Now, I know some of you guys are disappointed about that. But look, some of you guys are conflict prone and you're just looking for a battle and I'm not going to feed you this morning. I'm sorry to disappoint you. If you want a message on unity, I want to point you to our podcast. We preached a five-week series called uh, Why Can't We All Just Get Along? We just finished that in June. If you want a series and a message on unity and non-essentials and debatable matters, I want to point you to that direction. But I think there's something more relevant to our discussion today. And what's relevant is what are your spiritual gifts and are you using them? What are your spiritual gifts and are you 
using them. And furthermore, I want to tell you this morning that I don't intend to explain every spiritual gift today. I'm not going to catalog what every spiritual gift is. I'm not going to give a description of what the Bible calls charismata. Charis meaning grace, matter meaning gift, gifts of grace, the grace gifts. I'm not going to catalog those this morning. My intention is to encourage you today to understand what spiritual gifts are, to encourage you to understand how they function in the church, and to encourage you to understand why you need to know why yours is important. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Not everybody has, not no one has all spiritual gifts. The Bible tells us we're going to give an account for the gifts that God's given us, how we have stewarded what he has gifted to us. And it's essential that you know what spiritual gifts are. It's essential this morning that you learn about gifts. It's essential that you learn why you need to be active in using your gifts. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1 today. If you have a Bible, turn it on, turn it to. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one in the lobby after the service. And uh, if you don't have one, we're going to put the words on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 starting in verse one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the first six verses and then I'm gonna pause. And I just, this morning, I wanna make some comments about spiritual gifts. And you may wanna write these down or put them in your cell phone and reflect on them later. But I'm gonna give you uh, hopefully six things. We'll see how far we get. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse one. Now, about the gifts of the spirit. That is not the word charismata in Greek. It's a different word. We'll get to the word in Greek called charismata in just a moment. Now, about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is, who is speaking by the Spirit of God who says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, the diversity of backgrounds in this room this morning dictates that some of us get nervous when we get to passages about the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys get really excited and want to dance and jump around. And I I just want to say to us this morning, we probably don't spend enough time talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse four, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, let me just begin this morning with the opening statement. Number one, I want to ask the question and I want to pose it to us. And some of this, by the way, if you've been around church, some of this will seem basic, but I don't want you to tune out because we're going to draw it all together near the end this morning. What is a spiritual gift, Pastor Matt? What is a spiritual gift? Verse one, now about the gifts of the spirit. One pastor said, a spiritual gift is pursuing his mission through the members of the church. Let me be clear. A spiritual gift is not a natural talent. A spiritual gift is not a natural ability. It is a supernatural ability that may be or may not be connected to your natural talents and your natural abilities, but a spiritual gift goes beyond those. It, ex it demonstrates greater power than your talent, your natural talents and your natural abilities may demonstrate. Listen to why Jesus says your spiritual gifts are important. Listen to this verse, John 14, 12. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, listen, will do the works I have been doing. Now, 
Here's what he says. And they will do even greater things than these. Now, this verse has been extorted to mean uh, things that it does not mean because I am going to the Father. The Spirit of God would come. Jesus would go to the right hand of the Father. And when Jesus says we will do greater works, here's what he means. He means the works that we do will have a greater extent. Why? Because now the Holy Spirit of the living God is within all of us who have been saved and all of us who are believers and the collective effect of the Spirit working in all of us is greater than if Jesus was just the only one who possessed the Spirit. That's what that verse means. Now, what did Jesus do? By the way, look around at the service this morning. Between the 10 a.m. and the 11.30 service this morning, there are potentially hundreds of people who have the potential to tap into the same power that Jesus had access to. And the power that Jesus had access to, what did it lead him to do, Pastor Matt? The Bible says, because he had access to that power, it says he glorified God, John chapter 12. The Bible says he blessed the world, he healed it, Luke chapter four. It says he saved sinners, Luke chapter 19. He built his church, John chapter 21. And so listen to me this morning. The effect of doing that through you Jesus said, what I do, you're going to do, and you're going to experience it at a greater level. The effect of doing what Jesus did, doing what he called us to do through us is called a spiritual gift. The Bible calls it a charismata, a grace gift. Charis is Greek for grace, mata, gift, the gifts of grace, grace, gifts, the effect of God doing what he did through Jesus through us is called a spiritual gift. Now, number two, this may seem obvious to some of you guys who've been around church, but it's worth saying every believer has a spiritual gift. Every believer has a spiritual gift. Verse seven, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. You can deny it, but it doesn't mean it's not true. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Not one of us has all the gifts. Jesus had all the spiritual gifts. None of us have all the spiritual gifts. Every one of us has at least one spiritual gift. Number three, spiritual gifts exist for the common good. Spiritual gifts exist for the good of the church. That's what verse seven says. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, listen to what Paul says, for the common good. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth here. The Corinthians were so good at a lot of things. A couple of the things they were exceedingly good at was demonstrating pride and jealousy. They thought, you know what? If you possessed a certain gift, well, you're superior in the church. You, you're extra spirit. You got an extra dose of awesome sauce if you have certain gifts in the church. And Paul puts that myth to bed when he gets over to verse 13 in 1 Corinthians here. Instead, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member, listen to what he says here, belongs to all the others. Paul says here in Romans 12, we don't have the same function. Not everybody has the same gift. Everybody's gift in this church is, is some gifts are not as obvious to the body 
as others, but every gift is given to perfect the body of Christ. Now listen, when you don't fulfill the purpose for which God has given you a gift, when you don't exercise that gift within the context of the body, the effect is a damaged and an incomplete body. And because nobody has, no one person has all the gifts, and everyone has at least one of the gifts, what that implies is that we're dependent on each other. We are dependent on each other. Our unique differences are what God uses. Now get this, to make us one. Our unique differences are what God uses to make us one. But the Corinthians are here. Paul's writing to them. They're bragging about their gifts. They're shaming other people with, with, with lesser gifts. What's your gift? Oh, you got prophecy. Wow, what's your gift? Oh, it's administration. Ooh, that's lame-o. misunderstanding of the gifts here leads people to pride. It leads people to arrogance. Sometimes it leads people to disappointment. Ultimately, if we don't understand the gifts, it shows that we don't understand the gospel or the nature of gifts. The gospel tells us this. You are fully loved and fully approved by God today if you've been saved. God's righteousness has been given to every single believer. And that's the best thing that somebody could say about you today. But our culture loves to boast in this idea of being unique. I'm unique. I have unique talents. I have unique abilities. And we try to distinguish it on, on so many grounds and in so many levels, whether it's looks or talents or athletic abilities, whether it's academic abilities. And sometimes we can think the same thing about how the culture thinks about gifts. We can do the same thing about our gifts and we can do it in the context of the church. Sometimes we can think, well, I'm more gifted or he's more gifted or she's got a better gift. She's more special or she's less special or he's less special because of our gifts. Sometimes we can think, well, he's got the gift of prophecy. He's got the apostolic gift. Well, God must be really lucky that he's on his team. But the gifts of grace here that 1 Corinthians talks about, Paul says they're for the common good. These gifts are not to make us feel better about ourselves. They're not to make us feel worse about ourselves. They're given, listen church, so that we can serve others, not ourselves. Now let me make one more very obvious statement. Number four, and I've said it already, no one believer has every gift. No one believer has every gift. Romans chapter 12, verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Jesus had all the spiritual gifts. No one else does. Your gift is something that the rest of us need. Later on in this passage, Paul is gonna use this analogy of the body and how the body works together and how each of us has our own part to make the body function. Listen, church, that's part of God's strategy to mitigate your self-sufficiency. Did you understand that? Part of God's strategy in giving us different gifts is, is his strategy to mitigate your self-sufficiency, your reliance on yourself. Part of God's strategy to diminish reliance on yourself happens when God communicates part of himself to some of us, another part of himself to others of us. And the result is that without each other, we can never experience the fullness of God. Did you catch that? Without each other, we can never experience the fullness 
of God. Some of you have one angle on God. I'm talking about in the context of spiritual gifts. Others have another angle on God. It's the illustration that Paul uses later in verse 15. He talks about feet and he talks about hands and he talks about eyes and he talks about ears. And so if you want to know all of Jesus, the only way to experience that power is to be, is to be connected to other believers as they're exercising their gifts for your benefits. And we need to abandon this idea in our culture. This idea of this me and Jesus spirituality. You need to shed this idea, get rid of this concept that I'm complete in Jesus and I don't need the church. Reality is you are complete in Jesus. But on this side of heaven, God's continuing to do a work in your life He's continuing to reveal himself to you. He's continuing to reveal his power to you. How? Through his body called the local church. Now, I want you to hear me say this, and I want to put it on the screen. Asking God to work in your life without intimately being connected to a local church is asking God for something that he can't fully give you. Asking God to work in your life without being intimately connected to a local church is asking God for something that he can't fully give you. God, I, I need your wisdom. God, I need help with my marriage. God, I need help with my finances. God, I need help navigating my job. God, I need help with my kids. God, I need help overcoming my loneliness. Do you understand 1 Corinthians 12 tells us here, God's distribution of power comes through his local body. God's distribution of power comes through his body. How does he distribute power in the church, pastor? He does it through spiritual gifts. He does it through spiritual gifts. So if you're asking God to work in your life today, but you're disconnected from his body, you're asking for his power, but you're disconnected from the source of his power. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other this morning. Not every believer has every gift. God can do everything, I cannot. You cannot do everything. We need each other to see his power. Do you know how you're engaged in a church that has very little power? Do you know how you can figure that out? If you're engaged in a church that has very little power, it's, it's, it becomes very quickly obvious. It's obvious when the pastor is expected to have every gift and distribute their effects at all times. <laughs> the pastor is, is the one expected to have all of the gifts. In those churches, he's the one that not only preaches, but he administrates, he counsels, he's the first one to pick up the phone call about people having financial needs. He does all of the evangelism, he teaches all of the Bible studies, he leads all of the men's ministries, he leads all of the women's ministries from behind the curtain. He does everything. And you know what happens in those churches? You know what happens in those churches? They suffer because they lack power. They suffer because they lack power. The pastor doesn't have all of God's power. It's contained in unique individual vessels called God's people. A diverse people, by the way. A very diverse people with diverse gifts, intended to be exercised on behalf of each other. Now, let me give you number five. Your gift completes us. Now, 
You're complete in Jesus. You're complete in Jesus, but on this side of heaven, there's still some completing to do, and your gift completes us. Romans chapter 12, verse 12, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Um, you remember the Jerry Maguire scene? That's what you thought of when I said that statement, wasn't it? One of the most quotable scenes in movie history. Jerry Maguire says, I love you. You complete me. Thank you. I love you. You complete me. You remember how the church responds? I mean, Dorothy responds, shut up, she says. Just shut up. I don't think there could be a more appropriate sequence of lines for the modern day church. The body says, I love you. You complete me. And we look back at the body saying that to us, begging us to engage with our gifts. And we say, shut up, just shut up. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse one says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's so much here holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Church, your life does not belong to you. Your life belongs to Jesus. Now listen, and to each other. Your life belongs to Jesus and to each other. I believe many of us are afraid of what God would ask us if we were to engage and fully present ourselves to him and to his body. If I get too involved in church, it's gonna require more time. If I, get, if I get too engaged, it's gonna require my resources. If I get too committed, it's gonna require me to care for others. But there seems to be this expectation from Paul in the book of Corinthians that when we gather, we all come together with something to give. Do you think a church like that? Do you think of church like when I come to gather on a Sunday morning, I come with something to give. Most people think that the pastor has something to give. Everybody else has something to receive. I preach, you listen. That's how most people think of church. One pastor says a New Testament worship service consists of three things, the word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God. What if we all came to church with something to give? I saw this recently in a video that we filmed. We were edit, uh, filming a video for our partner churches as we're raising funds to help launch the Granada Hills campus. And when I got the edited version back, there was a scene of Josh Wright, who's one of our elders, one of our lay pastors in our church. There's a scene of Josh in the lobby out here, and he's obviously giving counsel and encouragement to someone in our church who needed it at the time. Now listen, if you know Josh, you know Josh is not just walking around looking to distribute advice to anybody who will listen. But Josh is known as a person who has a gift of mercy. Josh can identify with people in their pain and their struggle. He knows how to have empathy. He knows how to give sympathy. He also has the gift of encouragement. And that's why people seek out Josh for counsel. And that's amazing. That's how the body of Christ should work. That's how it should be functioning. But Josh is overwhelmed. 
He's overwhelmed with requests for counseling. He literally cannot handle every request we have for counseling. He and Megan cannot handle all of them. Listen, there are some of you in our church who have the gift of mercy, who have the gift of encouragement. You're gifted the same way and the body needs you. But that's not the only gift we need on a Sunday morning and throughout the week. We, we need prophet gifts. We need words of wisdom gifts. We need faith gifts. We need evangelist gifts. We need serving gifts. We need administrative gifts. We need leadership gifts. We need celibacy gifts. Yes, celibacy is a gift. We need marriage gifts. Yes, marriage is a gift. We need giving gifts. We need discernment gifts. We need teaching gifts. Church is not just this place where you show up at the my order is, should be waiting on me line and pick up your six pack of chicken strips and your waffle fries and your sweet tea. Bless God, thank you, Jesus, for Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but it's not the place where you show up at the receiving line, pick up your chicken strips and your waffle fries and your sweet tea, and you just go home satisfied. Church is not a place where you come and I give and Tyler gives and you simply Receive. The body needs your gifts. The body needs your gifts. You complete us. You complete us. We're interdependent on one another to give to each other, to serve each other. Can I just encourage you to stop being afraid today of what God's going to ask of you if you engage in the body of Christ, if you give your gift to the body? And by the way, God has given extraordinary gifts in our church, and I think we need to celebrate it. This week, I got a text message from somebody in our church who has the gift of evangelism. He shares the gospel every single week. He had the opportunity to lead somebody to faith in Jesus this week. He prayed with somebody to receive Jesus this week. Last week, Miss Carlene gave her gift of helps and encouragement and mercy to somebody in need. I frequently hear of a very faithful and humble brother in our fellowship fellowship, who is, who is consistent with his gift of mercy and serving to help people in times of need. Recently, somebody gave a sizable donation to our church. Likely, he has the gift of giving. God's given us extraordinary gifts in our church. And I'm telling you, when you say, yes, God, I will be a living sacrifice. You know, in the Old Testament, a sacrifice had no option in the matter. The sacrifice was put on the altar and the sacrifice was slain. When I say Romans 12, 1, God, I'm gonna be a living sacrifice. I realize, recognize, admit, and acknowledge, God, my life is not my own. Whatever you had gifted me to do, I put it on the altar and I want you to be using me in the context of the body of Christ. Can I tell you what I'm praying for today? I want to tell you what I'm praying for. I'm praying that God would raise up a few people with administrative gifts, leadership gifts, serving gifts, evangelist gifts to lead our ministry to our city. I want our church to be known as the church that loves our city, that serves our city so frequently. They say Story City Church is a church that loves Jesus and wants to serve our city. I'm asking God to raise up people with those gifts. I'm asking God to raise up people who can serve our body that way. Now, I'm almost done. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen to the gifts that Paul mentions here in verse eight. We all have gifts. Maybe some of your gifts are ones mentioned here. Some of the nine that are mentioned here in these few verses. Verse eight, to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And get what Paul says. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. If you've ever done any reading, any studying on spiritual gifts, if you've ever studied this concept, you know that this list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10 is not an exhaustive list. This is just one of six lists in the New Testament that we see outlining spiritual gifts. And if you want to know what those others are, get something to write with because I'm going to go quick here. Those six passages that outline um, the spiritual gifts that we know of, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 11, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 32, later on in the same passage. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 through 15. We see spiritual gifts listed in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. We see spiritual gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We see spiritual gifts again in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. None of these lists are the same in these six passages. Some of the gifts are mentioned in one. Some are mentioned in another. Some are mentioned in multiple passages, but none of these passages is an exhaustive list of all the spiritual gifts. According to these six passages, we know there's at least 22 different spiritual gifts and not one list includes all of them. Let me give you these 22. The gifts of the Spirit are encouragement, giving, leadership. And again, I, I'm, this, this is a whole message just explaining each of these spiritual gifts. That's not my intent this morning. Encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching, administration, apostle, discernment, faith, healings, helps, knowledge, miracles, tongues, tongues interpretation, wisdom, evangelism, pastor, celibacy, hospitality. This is not an exhaustive list here. They're all found in at least six different passages. One pastor says the implication of these not being found in all of the implication is that a spiritual gift is whatever God wants to do in the world through his church. They are whatever the spirit wants to do at the moment for and through the church in pursuit of the mission of Jesus. We typically think of these gifts as like this, this one set of gifts that you were given at birth and you have for the rest of your life, this permanent set of manifestations of the spirits in our lives. In other words, what you got is what you got. Sometimes though, these gifts are permanent. Sometimes these gifts are temporary. Sometimes these are a gift for life. Sometimes it may be for a season. I want you to remember this morning, a spiritual gift is not a talent that you have. It's not an ability that you have. God may supercharge that talent. God may anoint it for the kingdom of God, but sometimes you have a spiritual gift that is completely different than your natural talent. My pastor dropped out of high school. My pastor dropped out of high school because he had to give an oral book report. If you knew him in high school, you said, this dude definitely does not have the talent of public speaking. 
Today, he literally speaks to millions of people every single year around the world. God gave him a spiritual gift beyond his talent. I know people, by all accounts, are some of the stingiest and tightest people on the planet before they were saved, who are now some of the most generous people you've met. God went beyond their desires and gave them the gift of giving. Sometimes natural abilities will align with your spiritual gift, but not always. But not always. And here's the last thing I want to say about spiritual gifts before I wrap us up. Number six, we have unity through the Spirit of God. We have unity through the Spirit of God. We have diversity through the gifts of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. We have unity through the spirit of God. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. We have unity through the spirit of God. We have diversity through the gifts of God. Have you ever noticed in a church there, there are a lot of different passions and a lot of different interests. And sometimes those passions and those interests bring tension to the church. Have you ever noticed that? The reason is because there are limited resources. The reason is because there are a diversity of gifts. Have you ever heard somebody say this? Well, the church should really just see the value of this, or the church should really be more about this, or the church should really be more benevolent towards its members, or the church should focus more on homeless ministry, or why does the church see the value of ministering to X type of people? It's a weekly occurrence. It's a monthly occurrence if you're a pastor. Here's a great idea, pastor. Go make it happen. <laughs> First of all, if you don't see that idea come to fruition, it's not necessarily because we shouldn't listen to you. Maybe it's because God is bringing you to a place to recognize a particular gifting that you have. Maybe some of us don't see it like you do <laughs> because you've been given that gift. Not one of us has the best ideas in the church. We, we all have the best ideas. And, and we're not sitting around waiting to just start more ministry. We want you to lead it. There may be times when we say we can't get behind it because of resources and time. Sometimes we may say we can't get behind it because we just not yet, we don't see that gift in you. A great example of just leading out are Chris and Lauren Fordnell. They said, we've got a passion for marriages. They came to us and said, hey, we've got this great weekend. We said, you know what? It's not the right time for us. We don't have the right resources at the time. We think it's a great idea. We can support it. We can support you in making it happen, but we just can't put it on as a church. I love that Chris and Lauren are spearheading a marriage weekend in our church next weekend. We're a church that wants to catalyze you for ministry. That's my job description. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11 and 12. It's in our DNA statement. If you read it on our website, we develop people's potential. It's not just a few staff members sitting around trying to dream up lots and lots of ministries. It's people benefiting the body out of their gifts. So let me draw this to a conclusion. 
How do we discover our gifts? How do we discover our gifts, Pastor? Well, 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter is about to outline some spiritual gifts in verse 10 and 11. But before he gets there, listen to what he says in verse 7 and 8. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply. I believe these two verses describe how we can best discover our spiritual gift. One, he says, be attentive to the spirit of God working in your life. He says, be sober-minded. He's not just talking about refraining from alcohol. He's talking about having a clear mind for the spirit of God to speak to you. Secondly, he's saying, engage in the body of Christ in such a way that someone else is affected by you. Peter says, love each other deeply. That means get close. That means get active. That means get engaged. When you start serving, here's what I believe. I'm not opposed to a spiritual gift. I think they're really fantastic, but I think spiritual gifts should be confirming and affirming, not the first step in trying to figure out what your spiritual gift is. Because you could take a test and it could score you one way and you could try to lead out and it's not really your spiritual gift. I believe the best way to figure out what your spiritual gift is, is to exercise your gifts, get active. Let God equip you, get engaged in the body. You have to start. You don't have to know all the answers. You have to start somewhere. You have to be active. You have to allow the faith that God's given you to grow, to be recognized. Last verse, Romans chapter 12, and I'm gonna close this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Three questions. I've given you a lot this morning. I apologize. I've overloaded you, but if you just take one thing, it'll be good. Three questions. Activate and engage your gifts. Number one, what needs are there in the church? You may find that that answer is not always glorious, but availability is the greatest ability. Number two, what are my abilities? What are my abilities? No one will ever accuse me of having the gift of mercy. No one, ever. (laughs) We're all to be merciful, but it's not a gift for me. What are your abilities? How has God wired you? Some of you are good counselors. That may be an indication of God's gift. You're an encourager, you're merciful, you're wise. Last question, where do I have an affinity? Some of you have an affinity for people who don't know Jesus and you want them to know him. Maybe there's a gift of evangelism or maybe it's not a gift of evangelism but you want people to know Jesus and you have a gift of administration and you undergird and support a ministry that reaches people with your gift of administration. God is uniquely gifted you. Not everybody has every gift. Every believer has at least one. And God gave them to you for the purpose of rounding out our body. So be active with those gifts. Be engaged with those gifts. Why? Because we're all better because of your gift. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for our time in the word this morning. So much to process, 
But God, I pray that you take this passage, the most important words spoken today, 1 Corinthians 12. Let it seep deep into our hearts and our souls. God, remind us to be active, engage in the body. Remind us that we complete others in the body. Remind us that we have access to your power when we're intimately connected to your body. That's how you give power in the world. It's through your body. God, let us be a church that's known for power, (laughs) not political power. We don't care anything about it, God. Not for social power. God, for power that brings change to people's lives in our city because our church recognizes how you've gifted us. We're connected to the body, leading out in those gifts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.